the humanities and social sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh the Humanities and Social Sciences, the hashtag hashchat podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Ben Archer, who is going to be talking about how to embed careers education in the Hass curriculum. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Ben Archer. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Marco. Really appreciate it. Well, look now, Ben, I'm really excited to um, look at today's uh, topic with you, which is uh, embedding careers education into the Hass curriculum. Um, however, before we do that, can you give the listeners a bit of a rundown about who you are? Yeah, sure thing. So, I've been teaching, um, getting close to, because I started teaching halfway through the year, so I'm getting close to my 11th year of teaching. Um, in that time, I've taught just about everything with the exception of science and visual arts. But what's really got my passion is um, obviously humanities, and I'm currently head of um, HSIE at St. Philip's Christian College in Cessnock, and also careers education as well. So I've been a careers advisor in three out of the four schools I've worked at, and it's something that I really, really love. So that's um, kind of brought me to where I am today, where I'm my big passion at the moment is just pushing both careers and humanities together because it's kind of seems to be the one area in the school curriculum where careers gets a bit of a bad rap, I guess. Okay, and you mentioned uh, you're in Cessnock now. Um, I'm not really sure about um, about areas in terms of their designation, but is that class as sort of like a rural regional area or is that quite urban or? Yeah, we're, we kind of dance on the border of being regional and rural. So um, Cessnock is probably about half hour, 45 minutes drive to the west of Newcastle and we're in the middle of the Hunter Valley. So the town slogan as you drive in is um, mines, wines and people. Okay, right. Now, so so you, you said you sort of straddle that border of sort of rural and regional. So how, how big is your school? Um, that's, yeah. that's not there. So we're a K-12 to school, and um, according to the email our registrar sent out yesterday, looks like we'll be just over 1,100 students. Oh wow, that that's quite large. Good, and 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 from a, a variety of. I'm getting at the um, I'm getting at sort of like the, this careers thing here. Yeah. Is it from a variety <laughs> of um, variety of backgrounds uh, in terms of what students want to do after school, or is it yeah. quite quite monocultural in terms of let's go to uni or let's go to trade. There's no in-between. No, we, we've got the full spectrum here. We've got everything from students who are passionate to get into law and medicine and those who will be stoked if they can get an apprenticeship at the mines at the end of year 10, 11 or 12. So for us, um, for us as a school, our a win for us is not necessarily the students, every student walking away to be a uni professor. It's each student being prepared to do what it is they want to do in life by the time they finish with us. And if that means students depart at the end of year 10 or year 11 for us, then that's fantastic, provided we know that they're going somewhere where they are going to be able to succeed and excel. And this leads in perfectly to what we're going to be talking about in terms of how you embed careers education in house. So what are you doing in that sphere? Yes. So probably with, because I've been here at St. Phillips 12 months now, and one of the things that we've got this rich opportunity here in the Hunter Valley is we have that beautiful mix of um, 
no, agriculture with the wines and there are also quite a few dairy farms in the area as well. We have quite a few mines operating in the area and we are a stone's throw from Newcastle and um, probably about two hours, 90 minutes away from Sydney. And so we've got the full spectrum of opportunities here for students. And one thing that I found interesting talking with parents, particularly when they're looking at um, talking with their children about um, stage six, year 11 and 12 subjects, is I found quite a few families were not particularly interested in um, doing ancient history, modern history, society and culture and subjects like that because the question was, well, that they're, they're just fluff subjects. There's no career path in them. Like, well, whoa, 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 hang on. History, society and culture, geography, we are in the perfect spot where all of these things can come to life. And so one of our ongoing projects has been, okay, how do we embed future pathways into our um, curriculums from um, not just year 10, 11 and 12, but looking further into um, year seven and year eight as well. Okay, thank you. And, and, and oh, look, looking at history and society culture as, as fluff subjects that that, uh, <laughs> that 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 would anger a lot of people um, mm. and uh, you know and, and sort of start a whole other debate because you know looking at history provides us with what we can do in the future as well so it's not just a fluffer you know it's <laughs> just it's not going to get you a job later on um, a lot of professions at the moment are now and I know this gets thrown around quite a lot in terms of um, in terms of, uh, you know, like capabilities and what's the 21st century skill, but things like critical thinking and being able to analyse sources in front of you, they're, they're becoming now, I won't say they're becoming popular now because they've always been popular, but mm. they've now been a renewed push for them uh, that I think that those subjects do provide. Yeah, that's especially right. And prior to moving into teaching, I was um, working as a retail manager. And I remember having a job interview for a store manager's position. And the guy who was interviewing said to me, said, look, I love hiring arts graduates because you guys think about things a lot more deeply and you can see through any rubbish that is being put to you by not only customers but also corporate as well and you can go nah actually that's not true we're going to go down this path instead and it's those as well as kind of going the skills route because when you're having those conversations with families and going oh you know history and society and culture are fluff subjects you go no well actually the skills you learn in that are very valuable and they're they're skills that help you to kind of pick out when you're being lied to or help you pick out kind of the hidden message in what's being presented to you. But even then you can go a bit further along and go, well, okay, if you want to work in the mines, for example, who owns a lot of the mines here in Australia? A lot of our mines are owned by foreign companies and they are opening themselves up to hiring more and more people, local people as local site managers. But to be successful in those roles, you need to understand the background of where those um, companies are. So here in the Cessnock area, we've got mines that are owned by um, companies in China, Saudi Arabia, and in Germany, as well as um, a couple of local mineries. I'm um, mining, yeah, mines, sorry. And they... A lot of the people who are moving into management positions there, they're not university educated, but they 
spent the time to get to know and understand the history of as who their owners are, understand a lot of the nuances and cultural backgrounds of their of the countries the um, mine owners are, and they've used that to their advantage. So they're not making the same cultural faux pas and they're not making the same, I um, guess, cultural mistakes as some of their predecessors were. Yeah. Now, um, can you? So you mentioned you're building these pathways into the subjects. Can you? Um, if there's any anyone listening that's interested in, um, you know, embedding path, you know, careers pathways into a has subject, uh, can you give maybe a, an example of something they can do? You know, that they can implement. You know, tomorrow, for example, in in doing this. Yeah, certainly. So, um, my favourite one to do is actually in Year Eight uh, Geography, and because there's a unit in Year Eight Geography that allows you to look at urban planning, and I actually have this as a um, project-based assessment task in Year Eight, where you can jump onto the Geoscience Australia website, you can pick a map from almost any part of Australia. I blow it up onto A3, and if I'm lucky and if I've got the budget for it, A2 paper, present it to a class and say, okay, here is a range of um, different parameters and different buildings that can go, that you could build into this area. You now have the role of being a town planner. How are you going to improve this area? And by... And then you get the students to research, you know, the average cost of, say, building a school, the average size that a um, aquatic centre might take up, the um, amount of power, say, a tram line would need. And so they need to work together, usually in pairs or groups of three, to develop this plan and draw this beautiful map of what this potential of what this area could potentially look like with all of these changes and adjustments and amendments and then go okay here's what you want it to look like okay how much is all of this going to cost and then they need to justify okay this is what we want to do this is how much it's going to cost why do we actually need to do it and so i use i use that as a class-based activity over the course of about six weeks and for the year eights, by the end of it, they've had a six-week experience of being a town planner. And what's really interesting from that is that I've had students who I've taught um, in my second, third year of teaching who are now working as town planners because they did that assignment for me in year eight. So that's kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of something that you could do with your um, classes if you were um, looking at integrating, say, town planning into or urban planning into a geography curriculum. And, and is this in the, the place and livability unit that you're talking about? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. And look, um, have you ever have you ever um, uh, integrated, uh, you know, people from from industry or people from uh, from workplaces into into school at all? Have you have you had you know speakers come in and you know you mentioned they they become town planners? Have you ever had a town planner, for example, come in and or Skype or do something and, and show the kids what what life's actually like as a town planner, for example, or any other any other industry or job? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to get a town planner in, but in the past I've had um, retail and construction apprentices come in, and that was organised through Apprenticeships Australia. Um, the Asia Education Foundation also has as um, ambassadors who are available and they work in um, predominantly the banking and education industries, they're more than happy to come on in and discuss um, how they got to where they are and the role that humanity has played in their um, careers journey as well. Um, the other really interesting one that I've 
done in the past as well is I've actually approached a couple of um, minor, relatively well-known um Australian identities over Twitter and just tweeted them saying, hey, look, I have a year 11, year 10, year 12 class. Um, They'd be really keen to hear about um, your career and how you got to where you are. Do you have maybe half hour to an hour to spare to Skype in with us? And I was very lucky one year I was able to get John Saffron to – Oh, wow. Join us on Skype. And he told us he spent nearly two hours with um, a year 12 class um, with the studies of religion class telling us all about the making of John Saffron versus God. And that was an amazing experience. Um, We've also had Susan Garland um, come in as well and join us via Skype with a um, society and culture class and talk about her transition and her experience of growing up white middle class Australia to um, join the Islamic faith and um, just how she navigated the whole combination and cross-cultural communication aspect of that and how it's influenced her career. So it's it's really interesting. A lot of um, Australian identities are very willing and very happy to share stories of their journey and they're very happy to donate um, some of their time. It's just a matter of... Um, being patient and, um, I guess, um, hitting them at the right moment and whatnot. But you don't. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, you got to got to sort of take that step. And uh, like you said, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you think, oh, they're 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 too uh, famous and too busy to to you know talk to a bunch of kids. Yeah, uh, you'll never actually you know see if they can. Yeah, um, that's right. you, if, if you're going to do something like that, do, do you need to get approval to do that from like your AP or your principal? If you're going to you know Skype in a you know, someone or is that, you know, does it have to get cleared or does that count as an incursion that you've got um, to book in, you know, before? How does that work? If they physically, I guess, I guess it depends on the school. Um, the two schools that I were, where I spent a lot of time doing that and getting people in, they were like, look, if you're Skyping them in and if it's in your normal class time, it's fine. Don't tell us about it. We don't need, really need to worry about it. Um, a lot of them will ask, you know, will there be media involved? And if you say, no, there won't be, then they're more than happy to um, organise it quite quickly. But if there is media involved, so um, the school I'm at now had Christine Arnoux come in for NADOC week and she spent some time with some of our primary school classes, but there was media, so there was cost and so forth involved there. So, yeah, I think if you're happy to go low-key, just get them in for your class during your normal class time, Um that should be fine as long as you don't need to book any additional resources. But if they're physically coming in, then, um, yeah, when I've brought in the um, age education ambassadors and the Australian apprenticeship ambassadors, um, there we have had to go through our incursion procedure, which can be a bit annoying at times, but other times it's, um, yeah, usually pretty straightforward if you're not in disrupting anyone else's classes. Yeah, thanks. And look, um, Oh, we kind of got um, got sidetracked there. However, um, <laughs> that's right. Bringing it back to um, bringing it back to embedding uh, careers education now. Uh, like you said, you've you've had a few kids that have now gone on to become town planners, and um, you know, I think this sort of thing uh, lends itself really well to the has uh, to the has fee because there are so many skills, there are so many mm. things that they're doing and learning. Um, what's been sort of the feedback you're getting from other parts of the faculty or other parts of the school about what you're doing with this? Uh, with this? Yeah, these, what, I've, what I've noticed is that student engagement in humanities subjects just tends to take off, particularly when they're going back and studying something that they had an that they had a direct contact with. So the students who, say, did the year eight geography town planning tasks, they 
kept on with geography right the way through to the end of year 12, where previously we were struggling to get a geography class up and running in year 11 and 12. So those kind of things do tend to have roll-on and flow-on effects, but also other subject areas tend to get a bit of a benefit as well. So um, in particular, the sciences and English tend to, and also maths as well, tend to love it when we get people with um, geographic backgrounds, with finance and banking backgrounds and with journalism backgrounds in because students start to see the connection between, say, someone like John Safran in his experience with um, examining other religions, as well as his work as an author and film producer. Um, getting someone in from the banking sector, um, students see the connection between um, the history and the cultural aspect to the business and legal studies aspect, as well as the mathematics element of the role. So students start to develop a stronger um, idea of this kind of skills that they need to be able to see them through into a career path in which they're um, excited about. Yeah, not to cause a whole storm here because I know this is what generally happens when people make content, uh, make make comments. But it's yeah. almost as if the other faculties are uh, getting a bit of a free ride on the on the coattails of Hass, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that can happen. Um, often, what tends to happen is I find you start getting more cross faculty collaboration out of it as well. So um, school I worked at previously, after the first time we did our urban planning assignment, um, we ended up working with the science department and creating a um, cross departmental assessment, which also meant that we shared the marking load between us as well, which was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and look, let, let's look outside outside of Cessnock as well, or not sorry, outside of Cessnock, um, outside of the school within Cessnock, sorry. Um, you know, the, the, the town, like you said, it, it's sort of uh, straddling that raw regional. It's known for wine, mine, and people. Um, and, and the people, as you said, the, the, the slogan is when you walk, uh, when you drive in. Um once, once your kids leave the school, are they? Do you, I, I know this is sort of putting you on the spot here, but do you know roughly uh, how many stay in Cessnock or how many sort of flee and go to the bigger cities, or what, what sort of happens when they leave the school or any uh, school in, in the area, really? Yeah, um, I know generally schools in the area, most kids tend to remain in Cessnock. However, um, it is starting here for us. My, my understanding is our last cohort, we're looking at 50 50. Who stayed and left, which isn't too um, out of the ordinary for regional areas. Um, that being said, though, it really does come down to, um, I guess, the economic opportunities for the kids. So families who are, so say, for example, at the moment, we've been surrounded by bushfires here um, for last couple of months. Families who are dependent on agriculture and in particular wineries for their um, finance. At the moment, we discussions with some of our um, year 12s, their financial situation's changed quite a bit ever since the bushfires kicked off. So they're kind of thinking, okay, maybe I'll delay going to university or maybe I'll seek an apprenticeship um, for the interim instead and then look to make a move another year, year or so later. So gap years also are not uncommon for students in this area. Okay. And and finally, just to, to sort of wrap this up, are you getting much feedback from industry and from people outside of, outside of the school or um, – uh, mentioning the great work you're doing, or is it sort of just um, you know, it, you know, teachers are never ones to sort of blow their own trumpet or, or you know, say it, how amazing they are at what they do. But is there any recognition from any 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 businesses or any any companies around the area that say, you know, this kid went to your school, you guys are doing a great job, they've come out really prepared, mm. 
did, are you getting any of that sort of feedback or is this sort of, you know, we, we hope they're doing well when they leave? Yeah, we're, we're starting to get that feedback and it's led our college executive to look at ways in which we can better, excuse me, we can better improve our um, student outcomes even further. So, um, for example, I've had two students in my legal studies class last year, both of whom left at the end of year 11 to move into apprenticeships. And the feedback we've had from both of them so far is that they're going absolutely great guns. Um, And to help support that um, further, our executive is looking into commencing um, a guess a diploma of business through um, an RTO and have that embedded into our um, school curriculum for students who are wanting to complete year 12 but not necessarily go for the ATAR and go for university. So those are some of the opportunities that we're working on and I guess here it's a work in progress because Cessnock um, traditionally hasn't had the best reputation for um, outcomes but we are starting to see that change and we're seeing that Cessnock is in fact a really nice lovely place to live but also it's a starting to get a change of reputation of okay some of the kids and some of the schools in this area are doing a fantastic job and if they're coming out of Cessnock and they are rip-roaring ready to go and they've got the skills then we find that a lot of universities and a lot of local employers are willing to go okay you know what let's really get behind the kids, let's support them because they do know what it takes to succeed and they've got a clear idea of where they're going, what they want to achieve and how they're going to get there. Fantastic. Well, before, we, before we wrap up, Ben, is there any uh, final words you want to leave the listeners with about uh, embedding uh, careers education in any of their HAS subjects? Yeah, certainly. So if you're thinking that, okay, um, you want to look at doing th- doing things a bit differently, then definitely look at the Asia Education Foundation. Um, even though they are more geared towards Asian studies, particularly when they in their resources for stage five and stage six, they do have a bit of a careers focus because they know that that's their in for getting kids interested and engaged, but also reach out to local universities. It's amazing what resources are available and what the unions are willing to do to help support um, your students, particularly in the areas of arts and um, business and legal studies, because I've had opportunities to have academics come in and um, come in and give presentations on specific topics. But also um, when I was working in the Northern Territory, we had the opportunity, we had a university in Adelaide offer to bring us down to Adelaide, a select student, group of students for a week to spend time at the university and the whole week's engagement was tailored around these students' interests. So we spent some time looking at journalism and media and then we left from there and went to the cadaver lab. So there was absolutely everything that was put out for us and it was all and it just came from asking a question, making contact with the uni saying, Hey look, we've got this is what we're trying to do here. This is the cohort of students we're working with. These are their areas of passion. Is there anything that you're doing at the moment that could be, um, that we'd be able to embed? And the response of, I've never had a no from any university I've ever approached. So, um, yeah, definitely reach out to your local universities as well because they're more than willing to help and engage. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thank you so much for giving up your time to um, have a chat for the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marco. All the best. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HasChat.
This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au